Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. I'll be in uh, verse 25. And uh, for those of you, for those of you that are here, maybe for the first time. Uh, I have the honor and privilege of being the uh, administrator and principal at HCA. And, uh, get to lead chapel, and uh, every time I speak, I usually will, will quiz the kids a little bit before we get started. And I always like to start with uh, in Matthew, and I usually ask them uh, who wrote the book of Matthew. Most of them get that it was Matthew, and then what did Matthew do? Matthew was a tax collector. And these things are important to remember. Uh, as you study the Bible, really get to know, okay, who wrote this? Who were they writing to? Why is it in the Bible? And uh, if you don't have a good study Bible, that's a good place to start because you can uh, usually look at the beginning of each book and kind of get some information on it. And uh, it really begins to open up. And when we read Scripture, it's awesome to sit there and look at it and try to think if Matthew was sitting here tonight telling us this. And uh, to kind of give you a little context here, the whole chapter of verse, uh, whole chapter 23 here is Jesus speaking to the scribes and Pharisees. And these were religious people of the time. Uh, and Jesus really is kind of scalding them here. Uh, but I'll start with verse 25. And it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside are full of extortion and self-indulgence. 26 says, blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. I want you to bow your heads with me. God, tonight, I'm so thankful for your word. And God, I'm so thankful that, God, you're here with us tonight. And God, I pray that you would just lead and guide me. God, use me, nothing of me and all of you tonight. God, I'm so thankful and humbled just for the opportunity to uh, share the gospel tonight. And God, I pray that you'd be with us. Let us all leave changed. We thank you tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, clean it again as you sit down. Um, uh, before I start tonight, there's, um, well, I'll say this first. One of the things that you can see on Wednesday nights is that our kids are outnumbering our adults sometimes. And what does that mean? That is a great problem to have. Uh, but that means we need some help. Okay, so if you're interested in helping, uh, or maybe you're not interested, but you feel like your heart's beating and there's kind of something going on, just get with me. 
uh, I would love to see you help in some way. Uh, I'm not asking you to, like, go over there and wrangle kids, lead a, a Bible study. You know, we'd start you off slow. Uh, maybe just being a helper, okay? But maybe this is your opportunity to step out of your comfort zone and do something uh, that God wants you to do and taking that next step. So if you're interested in that, get with me. Uh, but tonight, there's, there's a word that's been going through my head a lot, and it's complacency. And I think that God really wants to stir us up, so to speak, and get us moving in the right direction. Because one thing that happens, I think, so often with us as church people is we're like, oh, man, everything's good. I'll read my little devotion, and I'll pray. Maybe I'll pray once today other than over my food. Uh, maybe I'll listen to Christian music, but everything's good. And the problem is that we become complacent. And I looked up uh, complacency, the definition in Webster's, and it says self-satisfaction. Okay, I want to stop right there for a minute. We get self-satisfied with right where we're at. Hey, everything's okay. Nothing real bad's going on. And we get stuck right here in this complacency. Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiency. So when you're unaware of the actual dangers or deficiencies. And I love that word deficiencies because when we look at that in the human body, uh, Todd, you know there might be someone who's deficient of vitamin D, who's deficient of this, who's deficient of that. And what does that mean? They need that. And the problem is, is that when we become complacent and self-satisfied, we don't realize that we're deficient of all these things that God has for us and that God wants for us. And it's so important not to get stuck there. Because now until, what, July, I don't know if we'll start the fast on July 1st or not. I think it's actually on a Sunday this year. So you're like, don't talk about the fast. Uh, but from now until then is a blur, right? Your mind is so focused on everything else, okay? If it's, uh, it'll be like Black Friday, it'll be Thanksgiving, and then it's Christmas, and it seems like Christmas is the whole month of December now with everybody trying to get to things. And the problem is, is we become complacent and put our faith and our walk with Jesus on the back burner. And we're like, hey, I'm fine. Everything's great when it's not. And you feel like you're juggling about 16 different things. And the one thing that you let go is your walk with Christ. Now, you are sitting there you're like, Jake, we're, we're here on a Wednesday night. You don't have to. It happens to all of us. If you're not careful, this is the one thing that should be at the very forefront that we're like, and that ball just gets dropped. And we get to that place. And. We need a stirring because if not, we become stagnant. And stagnant water is stinky and nasty and draws all kinds of bad things. And I really want you to think about that tonight. Am I complacent? Have I gotten complacent? Because we can come to church and we'll be just like these Pharisees, so to speak, because they were, they were doing a lot of weird things. Um, and the one thing that Jesus was trying to tell them is he said, listen, you look perfect on the outside. And I brought this cup tonight. This is a, it's funny to me how commercialized we've like made everything. And sorry if you have this cup at home, but cup of joy. How sweet. 
I don't know if it, like I don't drink coffee. I'm still too young for coffee. Um, I do like two thirds creamer, one third coffee. Uh, but if I got up in the morning early, I'm not thinking cup of joy. Most of the time, I'm like I would rather go back to sleep for a little while. But I got to thinking about this cup, and it was one that Christina had bought or, or given to us. Thank you if someone in here gave it to us. Um, but the thing is, is that when we look at the cup, the outside, it looks great. Everything looks fine. And that's what Jesus is, says. He said, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish. And this is what we do. So I, I, please don't raise your hand, but maybe you're on your way to church tonight and you're yelling at your kids and you, you're on the phone with your husband or your wife and you got 10 different things going on. And then you get to church and you're like, put it in park. Let's get get our game face on, our church face on, and let's go in there and act like everything's okay. How you doing? Great, great. When everything inside is a mess. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you clean up good on the outside, but let's get to what's on the inside. And I put a couple things in here of maybe what's on the inside, and I wrote greed and greed has become something that I think was an old word that seems to be coming back in different forms. And greed today is the money, but it's wanting money to look and feel like someone else. Because what has happened is over time, the enemy, he, he doesn't, uh, he just boxes what he does into different boxes. He does the same things. From the beginning of time, when he, he uh, had Adam and Eve in the garden, what did he say? Did God really say that? And that's what he does to us, and he'll box it all nice and pretty. Oh, you got to have that new car. You got to have that new dress. You got to have those new shoes. You got to look this way. And greed comes packaged into a thing that gets inside of us, and then it begins to take over. And then all we're worried about is what everyone else thinks about us. The next one here is anger. And you're like, I don't have an anger problem. Well, that's not what your kids said. I'm just kidding. Um, What's funny is that anger a lot of times will, will burst out, and we don't think that we have an anger problem, or I hope that you don't. But sometimes it's little seeds of things that will fester up and boil and boil and boil until you explode. That was one of the things me and Christina had to talk about in our relationship early on was I'm a fix-it-now kind of person, like, hey, let's deal with it. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, let's fix it now. I don't want to talk about it. And we go through this weird cycle, and then all of a sudden she will just explode all these things on me. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And so then we had to realize communication was big. But anger is something that can slowly build over time if we don't address it. It can start small and grow. This next one, uh, it's funny, kind of goes along with that. Pride. Pride says, I don't have anger. <laughs> I don't have any anger problems. Pride says, everything's fine. I'm sitting here. I'm complacent. I'm self-satisfied. Everything's good. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't ask me. Don't. Convict me, Holy Spirit, everything's fine. And the problem is that pride grows. Pride goes from something that says, you know what, I want to do things right, and I want to do things how God wants me to do, but then we start taking a step back, and we think, I've got it all figured out. I'm okay, 
And then we get to that complacency spot where we never let God grow us. And this is where a lot of people will fail. And this is what the Pharisees and the scribes and Pharisees had wrong with them. You can sit there in your pew every Sunday and you can quote the whole Bible and still miss God because of pride. Because you never let God get to that deep place in your life that says, I want that. No, God, you can't have that. I can quote all the scripture. I can do all this. You're not touching that. That's okay, I don't know. Because pride is something that wants to take over. And if we're not careful, it will. What we have to be is vulnerable. And that's something that's very hard. Especially as men. As men, we like to be all closed off. You women like to kind of share a little bit more. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting mad or anything. Sharing anything I'm not supposed to. But you get to that place where it's, it's a different kind of thing. And we have to know that, hey, God, I want to let you see every piece of me. And I remember as a kid when, when mom and dad would be like, Jake, go clean your room. A lot of times it would uh, just be me throwing everything into the closet. And pushing the door trying to get it to close and it finally clicks and you're like yes I can go to my friend's house now well then mom or dad would come in for the room inspection and I'd be praying oh don't let them go to the closet okay they're not going to the closet and then they start walking towards the closet I was like no 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 and they would open the closet and everything would fall out and the problem is that this is what happens in our lives so often with God Because what we do is we compartmentalize everything. And this can be things from sin to hurt to to past neglect. All of these things we'll put in this box and we're like, no one goes there. Keep out. And the problem is that when the Holy Spirit starts moving and when someone starts preaching or maybe you're listening to, to a preacher or a sermon or even a song a lot of times, is you feel the Holy Spirit getting closer and you shut them off. No, God, you can't have that. Don't go there. And the problem is that God wants that very piece of us. And what we don't realize is that in order to be completely healed, in order to be right where God wants us to, we have to open that and let him in there. Because my room was never actually cleaned until I fixed all of that and put it where it was supposed to be. And for some reason in my head, I was like, as long as I cram it in there, it's fine. No one will know about it. Mom and dad knew everything. They would, it was hilarious growing up. I, I think they knew everything that was going on, and, and usually they'd be like, Jake. And I think dad did it a lot of times. This is funny. I wish he was here because maybe he would tell me the truth in church. But I think sometimes he would just say this to try to get me to spill the beans. But he'd be like, you know, Jake, uh, I know what you've been doing. And I'm like, gosh, how does he know God's been telling him what I've been doing, and I was, I'm not a good liar. You can ask Christina, like, I'll try to play around with her, and not, like, big lies, but joke around, and I can't. I'm just, I'm not a good liar, and so when dad, I, I knew that, and I was like, there's no way I'm lying out of this one, and I would usually spill the beans, so I think he would just do that just to, to get me to do that, but the thing about it was is that you have to get to that place that God knows every part of your life, Because he already knows it, 
Mom and dad probably already knew that I just crammed everything in the closet because it only took me five minutes. And the problem is that this is what we do on Sunday mornings. This is what we do on Wednesday nights is that we get to that place and we park out there in the parking lot. We just cram everything away so we look good to everybody else. When really inside there's so much going on. This next one is lust. And man, this is one that's growing. I can't remember where we, me and Christina were at. There was something we watched either a video or on TV or something. And it, it said the average age um, that a young adult is seeing explicit images now is 10 years old. And it's, I think, 90% of those were shown that by someone else. And the problem is the enemy knows that, it, and it's like anything else. It's like the tobacco industry used to be. If they would target uh, kids at a young age and try to make everyone look like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And the enemy knows if he can get the kids at a young age, he can have them. And what we have to do is stand up and fight against that. And we have to say this is a problem. And it's like they tell you in any type of addiction therapy, you have to first admit there's a problem. There's a problem. And the problem is that a lot of people will just push, ah, oh, Jake, we don't need to talk about that. Yes, we do. Because that's something that it's crazy. We're seeing the effects of it coming out now um, after all of these years. And there was this crazy statistic I heard earlier that of all the kings in the past, uh, that had, had been in power, now any uh, young individual can see all of these images and more women than these kings ever had. And there's a problem because it just keeps multiplying. And the sin keeps multiplying. So what do we have to do? We have to fight against it. And we have to say, hey, there's a problem. What are we going to do about it? Because if we don't, it just keeps growing. And we hate the word cancer, but sin is like cancer. And I use this analogy this morning, but if in my kidneys, if I had cancer in a kidney, what are they going to do? They're going to take it out. And that's exactly what God wants to do in our life is he says, listen, I've got to take that out. And you're like, no, it's going to hurt. I don't want surgery. God, don't take that out. He's saying, listen, it's for your good. And we have to realize that, that even though these things hurt to be pulled out and admitting that there's something wrong, we have to allow that because it only grows. And the thing that we have to realize as parents and as ones that are looking after the next generations is teaching them how to fight these battles. Because we can't just say, hey, go, you're, you're fine, go, go on out. There has to be battle plans. There has to be things that we can tell them, hey, this is how you fight your battles. And we know that song, and that song is amazing. But what is the next step in that? It's teaching them, and it's training them. And I, I used this analogy uh, a couple months back, but train up a child in the way they should go. In training, there's usually someone right there beside them, teaching them and leading the way. The next one in the cup I have is comparison. And man, comparison is something that just seems to have grown tremendously. 
and, and so much so that it, it's even on like a spiritual level of comparing our, our sins to one another. But in, in the worldly uh, sense, it's one of those things that, man, social media has magnified. And we see now that kids aren't uh, comparing themselves to the Joneses or the people next door. It's to those in Hollywood and now anyone around the world. And the problem is that we're comparing ourselves all to the wrong things. And I read this quote and it stuck with me one time and it said, what if in life we're succeeding at all the wrong things? And the problem is that it's, it's great to have a nice big home. It's great to have an amazing job and make great money. But the problem is that if that's success in our life, we've completely missed God. Because if we get there to heaven and God said, what did you do with what I gave you? I bought a really nice house. I had a really nice truck. I did all of these things. And God's like, did you ever tell anyone about me? No, that was the preacher's job. That's not it. And the problem is that we, we measure our lives on the world's standards and not God's. Can you have both of those things? Absolutely. But what about using the, that big house that you've got to invite friends over for a Bible study? Or using that boat that you have to take people out on it and enjoy it that maybe they never have enough money to even set on a boat, but you take them out. Maybe it's land that you have that you can take people camping on and have a Bible study. That's using what God gave you for the good. And the problem is that we want to compare ourselves and close ourselves off so much that we sit here in complacency. And I think that we'll get to heaven. And just bear with me here. Let's have this vision that we'll get to heaven and there's all these boxes Behind, behind God. It's like, what is that? That's all the stuff that I had for you, but you never got. All the good things that I had for you, but you never asked for them. All you wanted were the things of earth. All you wanted were the things of the world. And you have all of these things. And this is where I, you guys know I'm passionate about our kids. If we don't teach our kids you better believe for what God has given you and what God has for you. He has joy. He has peace. He has love. He has all of these things. But we've got to ask and pursue him in it. Because I would hate to get, I don't want to be there and be like, man, Jake, you used everything that I, I gave you. Are there still things I know I can do? And he has absolutely but I want to get to that place that I'm not comparing myself to the world, but it's to God. I want to get to that place where I can say, God, what more do I have? What more do you have for me? And it's funny because the next one is secret sin. And this is something that usually will keep us from these things is that secret sin. Again, it's in the closet nobody else knows about. The thing is, we think we're fooling everybody, but man, God knows. He knows your heart. He knows that spot. He knows whatever it is that you run to. And you're like, Jake, I don't have a problem. <laughs> the first step is admitting that you have a problem. 
the first step is saying, you know what, God, I know I've got that sin. I know there's that piece of me in my life that I need you to take. And the thing that we have to do is not sit there in complacency, but we sit there and we say, God, cleanse me. And it goes a step further to this last one of past hurt and neglect. And the reason I put that in the cup is because there's a lot of times things in our life and things that we go through that we leave inside of us and we never give to God and we never fully heal from. Maybe there was something that you went through. Maybe there was something in your childhood that happened. Maybe it's someone that did you wrong in the past. And the thing that you have to see is that God wants that piece of you. He wants to clean that piece of you up. He wants you to know that he loves you enough that he's sitting here. And he's saying, listen, I know that you've been done wrong. I know that you were neglected. I know that you were hurt. But I'm not going to hurt you like that. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. And I think about the woman at the well. And it, it, that could be one of my favorite Bible passages because she had searched and she had been through man after man, five husbands. She was with another one. But then the seventh man came, and it was Jesus. And she's like, why are you even talking to me? And I feel like he, that he looked at her with a different set of eyes. And what you have to realize is that God's looking at you not with condemnation, but with a heart of love that says, I love you so much that I want to fix that part of you. I want that piece of you that you think nobody else knows about, nobody else cares about. I want that. And the hard part is that as, as humans, we think, I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy. God's grace will never be enough. And we go through this degrading thing, and we end up just sitting here and never fully healing. And in the same sense, if we met God, I wonder if he would say, I wish you would have came to me sooner and let me heal that part of you. My mom has this quote in her, uh, her, her bedroom, her and dad's bedroom. And it says, I wish I would have met you sooner so I could love you longer. And I thought, man, that's such a powerful quote because are we that way with God? And is God that way with us? I wish you would have came to me sooner with this because I could have loved you longer. I could have helped you longer. How many of you parents have had one of your kids come to you and maybe share something and you're like, I wish you would have told me sooner. We could have prayed about this. I could have told you that that was okay. It's okay that you messed up. And the thing is, we have to see that in the same sense of God. God is right there with his arms open and he's saying, come to me. Bring everything that you have. I want it all. And we can't be like the scribes and the Pharisees anymore just saying, hey, I've got it all figured out. I'm fine. Because what happens is we become complacent. And then just like we talked about, the sin begins to spread. And he goes on to say, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed 
appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And that really is exactly what he's saying. They would whitewash the outside of these tombs and try to make them look better, but inside it was full of dead bones. And I wonder if we're doing the same thing with our lives. And it was funny. I was going to try to pull a picture up of uh, our, our daughter, Blake Ann. She's getting ready to turn one, which is crazy. Um, but when we take a picture, we want her to smile. It was funny because we were like, we should have a camera on us for all the crazy things that we're doing behind the camera trying to get her to smile, jumping up and down, doing peekaboo and all kinds of stuff, right, behind the scenes. And the thing is, is that what if we saw behind the scenes in your life? Would it be chaos or would it be, hey, just like I figured, everything's great. And I don't mean to keep hammering this home, but we have to get past this place that everything's okay. We have to realize that I'm not always okay, and that's okay. As Christians, we always don't have to be okay. We usually lie about it if we're telling the truth. How you doing? Great. When inside, we're like, don't talk to me. I'm having a terrible day. Is it okay to be honest in church? But what if we get to that place that we say, you know what, God, I'm tired of acting like everything's okay. I'm tired of going through the motions. I want to get to that place with you that I lay everything at your feet. And I get to that place that, God, you see every piece and every part of me. And I'm no longer a whitewashed tomb, but inside of me there's life. And as I begin to think about what creates that life, we look at John chapter 15, and this is one of my, my very favorite scriptures. And we look at, uh, if you haven't, if you want to study, just to walk through, uh, study Jesus' seven I am statements. They're awesome. And the context behind them, this is the last one. It's in John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And the reason that that is powerful to me is because... All of the nutrients that that branch need comes from the vine. And we have to realize that our our nutrients and all of the good things that we need come from God, and we have to stay connected to Him. And what happens so often is we get to this place of self-satisfaction, and it's not that we mean to, but we start clipping away. And the problem is that those nutrients slowly begin to stop. And we get to this place and we're like, God, I feel so dry. I feel like I'm not getting anything. And God's like, I need you to be connected to me. I want you to be so connected to me that everything that is flowing into you is coming straight from me. 
And the problem is that we dig wells from the world and we get to this place that we want to drink from the well of the world and we want to drink from the well of, of Facebook and TikTok and and at Fox News and CNN and anything that comes on TV, we, we fill our minds with those things and we wonder why our minds are so cluttered. We think, how did all this junk get in there? It got in there because you allowed it. It got in there because you opened the door to it. And the problem that we have to realize is that God wants us to be connected to him so that he can give us those good things. And the thing about it is, uh, it, at home, Christina, we still have some plants. We have a, it's actually like a small lemon tree. And it went through the winter, kind of made it. But we had to clip off some of the branches in order for it to really begin to grow. And this is what God wants you to see in your life, is that you have to start clipping off the dead branches. What does that mean? Those things that aren't good. Those things that seem to be pulling the life out of you. Okay, I'm not talking about your family or your friends. If it is, you pray about that. The thing that you have to know in your friends and family is you can have healthy boundaries. And God can show you those things. But what is it that's draining you? You're like, what's well, my job? I'm not talking about quitting your job. I'm talking about getting to that place that you can say, God, let me clip off these things in my life that I know shouldn't be there. These things that are draining me, it's those secret sins, it's those things inside of me that I don't think anybody else knows about. It's those things you've been cramming in the closet for all your life. And God's saying, you got everybody else fooled but me. I want you to get to that place that you're abiding in me. And I used an analogy once before. I had a big box up here. And so often, if, if you can imagine that this is God, and we carry God around like it's something that we can pick up and set down. But it really should be something that we can get in. If I had a huge box and climbed in here, that would be me abiding in Him. And we have to abide in Him and realize that our life is in Him and He is in us. And that's where it's reciprocal. If our life flows from him. And there was a, a great quote that I, I just read. And there was also a, someone I was talking with earlier. It was Miss Jen. And she was saying that she had been talking with someone who was kind of a mentor to her. And so often we think that our, our trajectory in our Christian life is just this great diagonal straight to God. Just we should be elevating all the time. But how many of you know it's it's just like a roller coaster? And so often it, it feels like we're up and down and we're up and down. And I read this quote and I want you to hold on to it. It says fruit doesn't grow on the mountaintops, it grows in the valleys. And that struck me because so often we want to stand on the mountains and feel like our lives should be lived on a mountaintop, but the fruit doesn't grow there. And there's a tree line that, that stops as you look at the, the very high peaks in those mountains, the vegetation stops. And I was reading that the valleys are actually one of the most fertile places because what happens is erosion comes all the way down those mountains and it takes nutrients from the soil and spills them all the way out into those valleys. I thought, man, what, what a just revelation that 
it's in the valleys. And in those times we feel the lowest that we'll have the most growth because that's where our fruit is grown. And you have to see that, that God, you know what? I, I, forgive me for always feeling like I got to be on the mountain. When I'm in that valley, show me what I need to see. Show me if it's something in me that I need to clip off so I can grow more fruit. Or God, show me if it's somebody else in this valley that needs a word. Because I love David and Goliath. I love that David ran down into the the valley there to fight Goliath. And we can have the greatest victories in the valleys, but we have to know, what did David say? God is with me. You come with a sword and a spear, but I come in the name of the Lord. And the problem is that when we get to the valley, we start blaming God. God, why am I here? God, why did you put me here? This is all your fault. Well, maybe God is saying you're there so you can grow. You're there so more fruit can come out of this. You're there so that you can see these things in your life that I want you to remove. And we have to get to the place where we can say, God, no longer am I just cleaning the outside. Help me clean the inside of my cup. And man, the world is in chaos. But just as the shirt's been going around, revival has to start in us. And God wants to do a stirring in you. That's what Paul said. To stir up the gifts inside of you. You see, there's things in every one of you that God wants to stir up, but he wants to get all that other junk out. And it's a process. Sanctification is a process. That's just a big word for us denying sin and pushing it out and getting closer to God. But the last thing that we want to do as Christians is sit in the pews every Sunday and Wednesday and act like everything's okay when there's sin in our life. The Holy Spirit's been knocking on and trying to get out of our life. We keep holding on to it. Won't you stand with me tonight? If you would, I just want you all to bow your heads. And tonight, I want this to be between you and God. This isn't you raising your hand to me. This is kind of that first step of you raising your hand to God and and committing and and just saying that, you know what, God, I see these things in my life, and I want you to take them. And I'm going to keep my head down. This is just you putting action to that heart or whatever is in your heart, and you see that and have confirmation of that. But you're here tonight, and you can say, you know what, Jake? I'm going to be honest, there's some sin in my life that I've been pushing away and trying to lock away. And I want the Holy Spirit, I want God to remove that. If that's you tonight, just lift your hand. Maybe you're here and you can say, you know what, Jake, I've got some hurt and neglect and pain in my life from different things that have happened to me. And I want God to take those things. I want to truly give that to Him. That's you, just lift your hand. Maybe you're here and you can say, you know what? Man, I've been dry. I want to be more connected to him. I want to be connected to that vine. and I want to drink from his well and not the well of the world and all the things that the world has to offer. I want him. That's you tonight, just lift your hand. Thank you for your honesty.
The next part of that is it's one thing to raise your hand. It's another thing to step out of that pew and come down and just lay it at his feet. And I'm going to be honest tonight. There's still things I need to work on. At home when we wash dishes, there's times I got to wash things twice. And I want it to be something that again and again, every morning, I say, God, clean the inside of me. Let me be pure before you. God, help me work on these things. And tonight I wonder if you'll join me at this altar as this song plays. Maybe you're here and there's nothing on your heart you need to work on. Man, let's pray for everybody else. Let's pray that God would stir us up and send us revival. Man, I want to finish with the scripture here. It's John 15, 9. As the Father had loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. This is my favorite. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And one of the hardest things I I think growing up was Dad looking at me and saying, This whipping's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Y'all remember that? I'm like, Well, give me the belt. Um, just kidding. Uh that, that became true. I, I felt his pain. Uh, me and Logan had gotten into it, and Dad was like, all right, Jake, here you go. You get to whip Logan. And it was funny because I was like, yes. Get to... But then it hit me. I can't. can do it. And the thing is, is that in those moments, we see that that pain is something that hurts for a little bit but it gets us to that place we need to be. And in our life, when God takes things out of us and cuts things off, it hurts. It hurts when someone tells you, hey, you're doing this wrong or you're doing that wrong or you could do this better. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And it hurts. But the greatest thing is that Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And I think about that, man. True joy doesn't come from having it all together. It comes from knowing that, hey, I'm still a work in progress. And I think we can all say that, but even in a sense that we have to keep moving towards him, that doesn't mean we keep sinning. As Paul says, that doesn't give us a license or liberty there to sin. It just gives us that grace to get closer to him. I challenge you to do that. Begin to pray, God, show me those things inside of me that you want to remove. I love you guys. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. I, I'm thankful for all of you as a church family, and I don't get to tell you enough, but it's been a great blessing to me to grow up uh, with my mom and dad. Uh, dad is pastor, but mom and dad in church all these years, and I'm so thankful because you all really are like a family to me, and now it's been great for me to watch your all's kids grow up, and you get to watch... Uh, our little Blake and grow up, and I'm just thankful. I know that this is really why the body of Christ is important, and it's just all of us being together. And uh, that means praying for one another. So let's pray God would really start working on everybody else and us. Um, 
remember, sign up for the hams and turkeys on your way out. Uh, Brother Wayne will be back on Sunday, so I'm sure he'll be ready to go. He had a week off, so pack your lunch. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all can tell him I said that. Uh, Let's pray tonight. God, tonight we're so thankful for you, and God, we're so thankful for all that you've done for us. God, number one, I'm thankful for your grace. But God, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. And God, I pray that this week you would show us those things in our life, God, even though it might hurt. But God, you want to remove. God, show us those deep things. And God, help us to just give those things to you and not hold on to them. That God, no longer will we cram our sin in the closet. But God, that you would just clean us from top to bottom and God, inside and out. We thank you tonight. God, I pray that you'd encourage us. God, give us opportunities to share the gospel with other people and give us boldness to do it. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King. Thank you.